You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. A rock star's guide surviving the Malaysian music industry. Yes, we are back again. This is, I believe, the final episode for this season, season number two, right here on the Rockstar's Guide to Surviving the Malaysian Music Industry. With me, Darren, I am from the band An Honest Mistake, and it's been an absolute pleasure doing this podcast with you guys. And I believe season three will be coming soon. We'll be definitely talking about more stuff to educate and learn from each other. And yeah, I, I'm super excited for this episode because we are talking about brands. Okay, now uh, it's very easy for us to you know do the whole like okay, I want to play in a band, you know, I want to make music, but then you come to a point where you hit the ceiling right you know music is that you know live shows and all that and then what comes after okay so today we're going to talk about working with brands but it's not as easy as it sounds okay so we're going to find out from one of the coolest brands in malaysia right now they are super cool they've done a couple of really really big shows and it's all about the culture which is great it's not just about the numbers that you can pull and stuff like that so let's bring him on right now this is Faris, aka robotron 3000 from danger disco also the marketing and PR specialist of Brett Perry Malaysia Woohoo. actually Robotron 5000 Robotron 5000 <laughs> missed out 2000 there <laughs> anyways thanks thanks for having yep. me here yeah man I mean there's no better person you know like initially I was thinking like okay you know who can I get you know who is involved in music and also you know involved with a brand you know and you are the perfect person lah. maybe for for the listeners who don't know what you actually do maybe you can just let them know what you actually do uh, well i'm faris i'm actually one half of danger disco so i also work in fashion so i work with fred perry as the pr and marketing specialist so we are uh, i am responsible for endorsements celebrity uh, celebrity involvement media marketing advertising everything that has to do with marketing is uh, i'm i'm the person for fred perry malaysia lah. So previously, I've worked as a brand experience specialist for an advertising agency. And before that, I did uh, book artists for festivals and concerts for Lifescape. Right. So basically, you've gone through pretty much the spectrum. Uh, you know, you, you did the artist thing yourself. And then you've done artist bookings. And then now in PR and marketing in, yeah. you know, a brand. So I think, yeah, you, you pretty much, you know, you've seen a little bit of, of everything. And, you know, I guess the purpose of our chat today, you know, is really to talk about working together with brands. You know, it can get really confusing sometimes. It can get a little bit daunting as well for artists. And like whether it's a new artist or maybe one that's a little bit more experienced, I'm sure, you know, there are certain criterias when it comes to working with a brand. So maybe you can just walk us through some of the things that Fred Perry has done with, you know, some of the subculture uh, shows and stuff like that. Yeah. So for for the past 
three years, I think we've been doing a lot of concerts under the label Fred Perry Subculture Live. So it's a series of like uh, free concerts that we've been doing. So we uh, last year we did a live stream, live stream version at Atas due to the coronavirus pandemic. And the year before we actually, we were the first to actually throw a concert in Rec Scale when they first opened. Right. So uh, yeah, it was a sold out concert. I think we had about almost two 2,500 people in Rex and then we had a full lineup and we actually and the tickets were sold out in within a day I think in within three hours so it's right. it's fantastic and that shows that shows the power of our local scene actually mm. so what is the kind of like the brand direction or I would say you know like the brand motto for fred perry because like the artists that played at the show at rex and even like the ones that played uh last year for the live stream some were very very big names and some were you know up and coming names for example in 2019 the one at rex had what is that band riot jones right so at that time they were kind of like coming up so what is the the motto behind it so contrary to popular belief people think that fred perry would like to work with only well-known bands it's not it's, that's that's actually not the case for us it's we work with bands that we feel that are a good fit with our brand so mm -hmm. fred perry has has always been known as a music orientated brand so fred perry was founded in the 50s and then i think it was adopted by musical subcultures in the 60s by skinheads punks mods and so forth and and more famously adopted by bands in the 90s such as blur oasis so they were part of the Britpop movement so fred perry has been very close to uh, music for the longest time so i guess music is definitely part of our brand dna so whatever activations or marketing plans that we do we try to involve as much involvement with music as possible hmm. right perfect yeah i think that that really sums it all up you know it makes so much sense a lot of artists you know in general they would think oh you know my band's not big enough to work with a brand and uh you know they always want numbers only i guess it depends on the brand I think when you talk about numbers and stuff, I think almost everyone wants wants the partnership to be successful. So a lot of people will tend to like, oh, get me the band with like 1 million followers. But that's never the case. So 1 million followers does not equate to influence or does not equate to success. So it's different. I cannot speak on behalf for other brands. But for Fred Perry, we do not work with based on numbers alone. There's a few factors that we we look into bands uh, a few criterias uh, before we engage with them and then we before we endorse them and stuff like that so i guess in a nutshell do, do, do you want me to yeah sure sure uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about the criteria and so i guess i get pretty close to like 300 to 400 requests in a year from bands wow <laughs> so that's i lot. get i get a lot man i get whatsapp mess messages texts emails <laughs> But I, I would say 80% of them don't meet uh, the criteria. So mm -hmm. the thing the thing about it is, I think for brands, we try to look for three things. The three things that uh, ultimately decide whether we want to work with this band or not. First of all is the main beef. La. So the main meat of it is the music. 
the music needs to like kind of like resonate with our our brand. It's like for instance, Fred Perry is very urban. It's British niche. It's very indie. It can go anything from electronic to rock. But if it's suddenly dangdut, you know, <laughs> so it doesn't really match well with the with the brand. But the the good thing about Fred Perry is we have a very very wide palette of music. So the music ranges everything from ska, reggae, rock steady, indie rock, uh, even metal. So it's it's all within this like spectrum of like the music that we work with. So secondly is the image. So a lot of bands tend to overpass this this thing because oh I'm I'm doing it for the music and stuff. But image mm. is very vital for us brands because we also want to have the bands that represent our brand look good, you know. And the third. My most important thing is organization. So a lot of people also forget about organization. They don't have proper emails. They don't have proper profiles. They don't even have a photo shoot, or they don't even have a band photo. That is, I think, to me, the make or break thing for bands, right. for brands in terms of whether we want to work with them or not. And then there have been a number of times where I actually contacted bands and they don't pick up phone calls, don't reply. I send messages and then reply to me like one week later. <laughs> yeah, so busy. So <laughs> that is one thing that I would like to tell all bands: ah, uh, if you have a manager or if you have someone representing your brand, make sure they pick up their phone calls <laughs> because you might be you might be missing opportunities left and right and you don't know about it. Exactly. Yeah, that that is true, man. Because, for example, you know, earlier today, you know, I was trying to contact an artist, you know, and then this artist just took forever to reply. You know, it was to get yeah. the artist, you know, to do an interview and stuff like that. And and I told myself, okay lah, you know, maybe maybe I don't want to talk to to this person already lah. I'll move on to another artist. You know, so yeah. you know, there's there's always that miss opportunity, and I feel that. Sometimes bands or artists forget that you know. Sometimes you just got to pick up calls. You just need yeah. to be very quick in replying. And these are kind of like opportunities. Don't wait, man. You know, once it passes, I always, I always say this. You know, like if an opportunity is not there, you create it. But if the opportunity comes to you, you better take it, regardless of what it is, because exactly. your chances of that same opportunity coming back again is very, very slim. Once you miss the train, it's probably never going to come back. It's so true. It's very, yeah, very true. Especially with brands, I think our our attention span is very, very short. So. Yep. We because for us we we just want to get the work done. So mm. if there's a campaign that requires bands or requires influencers or stuff like that. Whenever we contact, we will give them a grace period. If they don't reply in within a specific amount of time, we rather not work with them. Yeah. So oh, yeah. So I guess that's one important facet that people tend to forget: organization. So mm. when when I speak of organization, I can break it down to a lot of things because for me. When I first started getting noticed by Fred Perry was because I was an artist myself. So in 2012, when we did Future Music Festival, so we we were supported by Fred Perry. 
So they gave mm. us clothes and everything. So we've been endorsed by Fred Perry since 2012. And that was way before I joined Fred Perry. I only joined Fred Perry in 2019. But I came in with a wealth of experience. I, I already know. I don't know what what it takes to actually be noticed by brands. Right. So sometimes I get I get emails from managers and stuff, and then I I would highly recommend people don't use funny emails, man. <laughs> Email address <laughs> like Bumblebee sixty nine. I wouldn't take you. I don't think any brand will take you seriously, man. I mean, like you you yeah. need to be proper about it, lah. So you need if you have a band and then you just. Put your your band name. So reply, send emails with your band email. Uh, so at least it, it looks like you actually you actually are passionate and you are you actually care and you like yeah. you actually took the time. Yeah. And of course, be polite and courteous lah uh, in your emails. Don't 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 email us and then ask like we want endorsement like straight out of the because <laughs> of all some we we don't even know who you are sometimes <laughs> and then yeah and then it's like out of the blue you're asking for like thousand dollar endorsements you know it's like mm. it's, that's not gonna happen you need to get our attention first yeah before before we proceed so be nice be courteous send me an email say hi i'm from this band so and so we rock and this is our music have a listen to our track this this is how our band looks like you know uh, so we you need we need this stuff we need band profiles and band profiles oh my god i can't tell how many times i've <laughs> I've, i've been getting band profiles on like half ass powerpoints i've gotten band profile on microsoft word and <laughs> it's horrible man i mean like it, it, it doesn't take you, you don't need to be like super creative about it man just as long as you you have the the basic info the basic info is we need a very nice photo of you and then we need a brief biography of you you can you can send like you can send like three pages long right up doesn't matter but we need that short we need that short paragraph that best describes your band you know how how in facebook you have like about me you try to keep it in within like one paragraph that is what we want it's like mm. if you can summarize your band in a tweet yeah that that sort of thing mm. and then the stats we need the stats we need to know if you have presence on social media we need to know how many listens do you have on spotify i mean stats is a nice to have is a nice to have addition on your band profile yeah for fred perry i will tell you straight up it's not important to us because we don't think that numbers determine the legitimacy of a band mm. but brands do uh, take a second look at numbers to strengthen it so yep. even if you and don't be shy i i recommend to all bands if you have like what 70 people on your instagram just put 70 is fine hmm. i mean you you don't need to be embarrassed about it because certain bands have different strengths there are certain bands that have a bigger following on facebook there are bands that are more following on instagram but that doesn't make any of them less less favorable to us yep. or less legitimate for us it's all about the music in the end but we need to understand also the background of your band if your band has some sort of small following is in this day and age sometimes you, when you see a band they have a very high number of following on facebook and then very low following on instagram from there you can already know you can already identify that this band is an is a orang tua band a little bit lah 
So a little bit broader lah. Right. The younger Gen Z generation, they're all about Instagram. They're all about TikTok. Less about Facebook. So you from there you can already know what kind of demographic is the following of the band. From there, you can judge already. Okay, this band. If this band has a lot of following on Facebook, you know that this band is very opinionated. So they write a lot. People read and share that kind of content. So if the band is famous on Instagram, you know it's usually all about aesthetics. It's more about the optics. So it's more about how the band looks, the band, the lead singer is sexy, or the drummer is handsome, or you know that sort of thing. So. Of course, it's very superficial, lah. It's it's very very superficial. It sounds very superficial when you when you break it down like this, but it's just the science behind it, lah. Yeah. So of course, when you have a band, I can say like seventy percent is music, but that thirty percent that make or break is all about the marketing, about the packaging, and in the image that you your band is trying to portray. Yeah. True. That yeah. that is. Yeah. That's that's definitely true. I mean, like I think you know when it comes to like band profiles, you know, like. Stats. I I guess for certain brands, you know, it's it's kind of important, you know. But for a brand like Fred Perry, it's all about the core of it, which is the music. I I guess what you're trying to say, or what I'm trying to deduce, is is the values of the band, whether canal or not with the brand. You know, I think that is that's the most important thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think yeah, the values is very much important as well. So we have some core values that we hold very dear to, and then we we have a specific preference of the type of bands that we want to work with. So if if a band is like known to be racist or stuff, mm. phobic, we we don't want to work with them. Yeah. So we try to work with uh, bands that. That are open-minded and bands that are basically cooler. And when I say cool, it's not just cool as in like oh you just wear nice clothes. No, I think like cool in the sense of we work with intelligent bands and intelligent people, people who are opinionated but are fighting injustice with music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean like you know there's always a bigger picture to it. Right. Yeah, I think man, th- this is actually quite eye-opening for me, you know, because you know, in the past I've worked with brands before, and then they're they're all about the numbers, how many people you can pull, you know. I mean, sure, you know, you gotta be on brand, you know, but but I've never really sat down with the people from the brand to really say, okay, these are our values and all that, you know. And and for you to say like, you know, um, values like for example, if they are, you know, whether they are homophobic or not, whether they're racist or not, whether you know they're fighting injustice, you know. Like these are actually really really cool uh, things to actually think about. You know, it's not just about the music; it goes beyond the music. And I guess it's kind of like the underlying message of the music and the purpose of them doing music. Yeah. So I, I think that's really really cool, man. Yeah, I think that's why bands tend to forget that whenever a brand is participated, we are invested in you. Hmm. So when you are wearing our clothes on stage. And then when you are wearing our brand on stage, and it doesn't have to be Frappery, it could be any brand actually. You are associating like a symbiosis with the with the brand. So whatever you do, whatever you you will need to take care. So we, when we take that bet, when we take that bet with a band, we we have to ensure that the, this person won't won't be like controversial or this person won't be caught. I mean, like being doing something bad, lah. Which yep. because it it will eventually reflect the brand. It's like you catching someone doing a crime wearing our clothes. 
right so you mm. immediately have that association yep. so so you think of it as a bigger picture because whatever we do we try to think of the bigger picture of how it reflects our core values even with our staff and everything we have like uh like training and then we will speak to like we will teach our staff about our core values what is the brand all about mm. there has been instances where we we even have like the types of music that we listen to and we had staff before who like oh i don't listen to all this music lah so and we straight up told the person like if you don't like the music then i don't think this brand is for you mm. because you need to be open minded doesn't mean that you li- you listen to hip hop that you can't listen to rock doesn't yeah. mean if you listen to rock you can't open up to electronic music you know so we at frappery we try to keep an open mind and we tell our staff to listen to new music be fresh accepting of most subcultures you know and try to be a little bit more proactive instead of just being complacent and content mm. so like as i said lah i'm going off a tangent here so back to brand so the brand association with bands it, it needs to synergize it's like a symbiosis lah so it needs to work hand in hand because in the end whatever the band does it reflects back on the brand and whatever the brand does it reflects back on the band mm. so we need that collaboration we need that level of commitment also whenever we work with someone right So I guess like this brings me to my next question you know so when when it comes to working with artists is there a tier level you know because like a lot of artists would think that okay if I'm going to work with a brand what am I going to get am I going to get money am I going to get for uh, apparel you know or you know they're always thinking about what they can get right so I guess that it's a two part question which I'll bring in the second part later on but the first part is when a brand like Fred Perry works with an artist what is the expectation for the brand which i believe you know you you've spoken at length already you know the values and all that stuff but what can the artist benefit from working with a brand and what can a brand benefit from the artist So usually lah so need to also remember that for today's interview I do not speak on behalf of Fredberry lah definitely so yep. these are all my own personal views yeah but from my experience usually whenever you seek out a uh, sponsorship or endorsements you tend to get merchandise because hmm. the brand didn't seek you out so that's two ways about it so if you seek out the brand usually what you'll get Say if the brand manager is like, wow, well, okay lah. I think I want to support this band, right? So what you'll normally get is products. Mm. You'll get clothes, stuff like that. They'll test you out, see how how effective you are, and then so basically you will be set in like different different campaigns, and you'll be set into different different targets. So if you as a band you hit specific targets, then you go up the next tier lah. Mm. So the other way around is we seek the band out. So that's a little bit different because we want to work with you we are willing to pay lah you mm. get what i mean mm. so bands need to always remember that whenever brands come and approach you if you have something to offer then you need to monetize it mm. you also is very important for you to not let brands exploit you so if brands are the one who are coming to knock on your door you will need to know how to negotiate so and and as always there will always be monetary compensation there mm. because of your time lah you get what i mean yeah. right yeah so it's a two way thing if brands come and seek us out usually you get products and not much monetary but sometimes very very rare cases 
whatever they propose uh, is aligned with whatever we're planning mm. globally or something because we have different different campaign periods and we have different different um, things to do yearly lah. So sometimes a band will propose something like, for instance, a record store day launch, for example, and then. Coincidentally, for us, or oh, we do record store days. You know, like that's that's something that we need to do globally. So then it's like by chance, lah. So we'll we'll it will make it work. So for us, it's like for example, how we did with musica. Yep. Yeah. So that was by chance also. It was because globally, globally, we were told, like, okay, we are going to be participating in. Uh, uh, Record store days, and then coincidentally, there's a record fair. It came to us, and then wanted support and stuff like that. So sometimes it's luck also. All right, but it's always for me. It's always how does that activation or whatever that we are planning to endorse, how does it resonate back to the brand? Yeah, true. Yeah, man. I I guess that that answers the question. So I think we we talked about like the process as well. Is it as simple as Sending an email or message. You said earlier on that you get like emails, three to four hundred emails a year, right? Yeah. Um, from bands like requesting and all that. Would you prefer emails or text messages or DMs? You know, how? I definitely prefer emails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely prefer email because uh, it takes the personal touch out of it. Mm. So sometimes I'm like with my kid, you know, I'm at home, and then like, yeah, I don't want to be replying your your request. And because sometimes these people can get very very entitled yeah. whenever they speak on WhatsApp. Mm. So we will be like, okay, and then like, and then very insisting. So I prefer emails because you can try to fit in everything that you want to say into one email. And then I can tell you that if we're interested or not, and it's it's much simpler that way. Yeah, I okay. think once you've already established a relationship with the person, it's fine for you to WhatsApp or text us. But I think if you if you're a complete stranger, just email first. Mm. Yeah, and then just make sure that the email has has everything in the first email. This is this is a common mistake that I see everybody doing. It's like. I need to initiate. Can you send me your music? Can you send mm. me your band profile? No, no, no. I, I, I need it to have it all in one go in the first email. So, and please don't attach it. And uh, this is another thing because mm. we use corporate email. Sometimes we it gets it goes into spam. Sometimes it's too big. It takes up our email space. So whatever you do, you host it on your own Google Drive, and then like just send us the links so at least we can yeah. have access to it. Yeah. So. As mentioned, lah, band profile, photo, info, and stats. So that's very, very important. And then share us your links, share mm. us whatever links that you have, your Spotify link, your YouTube link, you know, whatever that you think assets that you have, just share them across. Right, You'll never know. Yep. Very nice, man. Yeah, I think I think that pretty much sums up this whole this whole chat. You know, like we started, you know, from you know talking about you know core values and and stuff like that. Talking about emails, profiles, and everything. These are pretty much like the essentials, lah. You know, I I don't think we can go wrong in this sense if we have all these things uh planned out and if we have all these materials ready. Yeah, that that makes so much sense, man. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Oh, also, I think another another anecdote lah is just make sure your managers are doing proper work, man. That's <laughs> it. I've I've met managers who've like 
try to shake me down from like charging 15,000 ringgit a, a performance and then when i finally like you know what i i i don't think i want <laughs> i want to yeah. be with you guys and then panicking and then going all the way down to like i think like 1000 ringgit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh, so i think it's also that that misconception you know sometimes with you know artists if there's like a festival or like a brand coming on board you know they would think that okay you know i'm going to i'm going to charge as high as possible because it's a brand So then after that they realize that oh you know the brand is not responding. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I I guess a very good way to go about this when it comes to charging is to always charge at a lower rate first, you know, and then there's going to be a second time, you know, then the second time maybe the brand says okay now my budget is a little bit bigger. Now here's the offer that's on the table, you know. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think for me I think because I used to do booking for concerts, right? Yeah. So how it works is you bands should definitely open with a high price yeah but it depends on how how you also need to know how to gauge how how impactful and how famous your band is in the first place you you also cannot overestimate your own band yeah so there are certain bands that come to me like oh okay we perform 15000 or 20000 or 30000 a show from the get go What what do you think will be my response if I get that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I think you're too expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think some some of these bands they try, so they 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 try their shot lah. I mean, like, mm. I respect that lah because you, as the saying goes, you lose hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so you they try. So my tip of the hat to them lah, but. Usually, how do it works is brand will tell you, "Eh, hey, don't lie like that. This is how. This is my budget." And mm. then you try to find a middle ground. So that's your typical how you negotiate, right? Yep. But some of these bands is because they, for example, ah, uh, they perform the show three thousand bucks. They perform the show five thousand bucks. Then they perform the third show another three thousand bucks. Then suddenly, out of the blue, one luxury label come in and pay the, this bugger fifteen grand, mm. right? It changes. It completely changes his asking price already because now yep. he gets fifteen thousand, right? Mm. The mistake that a lot of bands that I see lah in my in my lifetime lah that I've seen this mistake being done a number of times is when the person gets fifteen thousand, he doesn't want to go down anymore. Yeah, and then when he goes to the indie organizers, he's telling the person fifteen thousand because this is how much I was paid from the last gig. Hmm. So this is a problem. I understand that some people is like they want to keep the standards. It's it's yep. totally understandable. It's totally acceptable. But the problem is in Malaysia, you kind of need to gauge the the promoters. Yep. If the promoter is an indie promoter, don't have any corporate sponsors, you know, like you can't be asking fifteen grand to that person. You know, yep. you get what I mean. Yep. And this is what happens when when you do that. Promoters tend to talk to each other. Mm. So. Promoters will like sit down and say, "Hey, why you didn't put this guy? Wow, that guy, fifteen grand, man. I don't have that money." Yeah, and then yeah. the other promoter will be like, "Oh, really? Ah, uh, fifteen grand? Uh, I don't want to book also, lah." So mm. you kind of like ruin your own your own opportunity there. Yeah. So my advice to bands, whenever you work with brands, is you be reasonable. Uh. 
you like 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 you mentioned lah. You there's always a second time. There's always a third time. Especially when you work with brands, right? You know, it's like the brand will. It, you study the brand lah. You see the brand do concerts, do endorsements, and stuff like that. You want that longevity. And this is not just brands. It's it's festival concert concert owners. If if a person likes working with you, the possibility of us working with you is very. Is will will happen definitely. So for us as promoters and as brands, as sponsors or concert organizers, we we want that ease of contact and communication. So and then you also need to know how to gauge your own hebatness. You know, mm. you also cannot like over over budget. Oh, I'm I'm super good. Thirty thousand cannot mm. negotiate. <laughs> Salah like that. Yeah. Then you will never get shows, lah. Like, I mean, like, you, you are a veteran already. I know you. You have a lot of stories like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I I guess sometimes when it comes to like asking for price and all that, you know, it can get a little bit crazy, lah. You know, I must admit, you know, some some bands go like, you know, I am this price and you know this price. Like even some of the 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 influencers that I work with, maybe ten thousand following, charge five thousand per post. But another yeah. influencer that has half a million charges the same, you know. So you know it's where they value these things, you know. And sometimes it can get crazy, lah. So, but I guess the most important thing is to 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 be reasonable and always be humble. And I think that you know if if the brand likes you and your asking price is like thirty thousand, you know, eventually they're gonna give it to you. You know. Correct. Yeah, correct. It's like for me, I think like if you've gotten like a very very high amount, I mean like that's great. That's indicator that people are starting to willing to pay you that amount. Yeah. But if the next promoter that books you doesn't offer you that amount, you cannot maintain. Mm. An artist, an artist value is only as much. As how he is offered. This is from my experience. Ah, uh. so, how you see all these like how you see like all these international bands get like hundred, two hundred thousand USD per show, right? Is because they are consistently being uh, getting that offer. Hmm. If you don't pay, someone else is gonna snap up that date. You yep. know, like, that's why that that's why the price is like increasing and increasing and increasing. It doesn't take like one or two days. It takes like years for you to reach that level. True. So if you get like fifteen thousand, then the next you demand, it'll never happen. Especially with Malaysian scene, lah. Yeah, I think the key to surviving in the Malaysian music industry is relevancy. And consistency. If you are consistent, uh, putting out music once every uh, like once a year is is fine. And then you are consistent in terms of your shows. You're always popping up, doing gigs, and your level of professionalism is like at that high. People are will be slowly willing to pay what you want. Hmm. So you can set the price and say, okay, I like working with you. You're professional. I will pay you fifteen thousand. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. True, it's a ladder, lah. You know, you can't just expect to be at the top without you know going through the small steps, ah. And I think yeah, like sometimes yeah. you know, like in this generation, a lot of people sometimes overvalue themselves. You know. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's the word that I'm looking for. Overvalue. There's so <laughs> many people that I've worked with, overvalue themselves. Mm. I mean, like 
I mean, sometimes they have one hot single. Everybody's talking about them, right? And then like, oh, I'm in the radio, everything. This is my child, everything. Right? But because attitude plays a very important role. You need to be mm. friendly. You need to be courteous. You need to be easy to deal with. If you're not, if you're difficult to deal with, no one's going to want to work with you. And especially Kuala Lumpur, we're so small. We Everybody knows everybody. And then if you're a dick to any of us, we'll definitely know. I mean, like, mm. people... I mean like the promoter scene is like very very small and we talk to each other yeah. so if you're if you're a jerk and you're like diva throwing tantrums and stuff on stage you know we talk yeah. well, the next promoter is gonna know about your bad attitude man mm. so I've always hear you talk about this Aaron. I mean like being humble is key key to survival in this industry yeah. you need to be friendly you cannot be sombong you just I mean like even if you're successful uh, like, like you just you being humble is the key to success uh. I've, I've yeah. seen so many one hit wonders mm. who's thrown like diva attitude and stuff like that backstage and where are they now I, yep. I, I don't see them anymore they were mm. like at one point like demanding like 20,000 a show or like 10,000 a song you know for appearances mm. but they slowly fade with time man that's the yep. thing how do you how do you remain in the industry it's by being relevant it's by being humble be friendly and just keep your head low just do in the work you will survive this industry for a long time yeah yeah man cool i think you know you've definitely shared a whole lot and i'm sure to to end this season everything that you said has been said in all the other episodes as well and it only goes to show that these are the true values and the keys to surviving the Malaysian music industry. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you, you know, just giving your time and, you know, sharing all these stuff that happens behind the scenes and what goes on in the psyche of, of I guess, a brand. But as an artist as well, you know, you've done all sorts of gigs, all sorts of levels, and your experience is very, very much appreciated, you know, just sharing all these things. So, yeah, man, I just want to thank you, man. Thanks, man. I, I got stories for days, man. I mean, <laughs> you can you can invite me in future and talk about other things because I, I got tea to spill, man. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, yeah, I guess that concludes the final episode of this season so listeners continue to sharpen your skills uh, as an artist and continue just to do your thing and um, you know please go on and check out all the other episodes from season 2 and season 1 as well because we've talked about pretty much everything that I can think of right now to help you and to help all of us survive in this ever-changing industry so that's it from me Make some noise one more time for Faris. Woohoo! All right. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. All right. This is the Rockstar's Guide to Surviving the Malaysian Music Industry.